Welcome back to Brojo Online. Got a special one for you today, a sneak preview of my upcoming book, The Naked Truth. Today I'm going to be sharing with you a sneak preview of the chapter on shame, which is a huge focus in the book, or should I say, overcoming shame is a huge focus in the book. But understanding shame is critical to overcoming it. So here's what you can expect from the book. Enjoy. This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity. Shame. The truth is, belonging starts with self-acceptance. Your level of belonging, in fact, can never be greater than your level of self-acceptance, because believing that you're enough is what gives you the courage to be authentic, vulnerable, and imperfect. That's a quote from Brené Brown. Shame. At one end of the self-worth spectrum, we have pure self-confidence, the utmost good you can feel about yourself. And at the opposite end of that spectrum, we have shame. In this book, shame is the word we'll use to describe that feeling you get when you believe that there is something wrong with you. And toxic shame is the term we'll use to describe the belief that you are wrong as an entire person that you are fundamentally broken and unfixable in some core way. Essentially, this book is all about using confidence to promote yourself up from the shameful end of the spectrum to the confident end, and to learn how to maintain your position up there. In this chapter, we're going to define what shame is, how it's created and maintained, and why, and why honesty is the cure. Note. The terms shame and guilt can be confused with each other, so let me define them carefully. Guilt guilt is a feeling, usually a sickening, hot nausea in the stomach, often accompanied by blood rushing to the face and neck. Shame is the belief or narrative behind the guilt, an explanation for why you're having the guilty feeling, and it's usually something along the lines of, something true about me is wrong and bad and I must hide it from other people. Being ashamed is an in-the-moment guilt or disappointment you feel about yourself, usually in connection with a specific feeling or behavior. You feel bad about an emotion you're experiencing or something you've done because it's wrong. It's a temporal feeling, and all but the most psychopathic people will experience it on a regular basis throughout their lives. It can be a helpful indicator as to when you've strayed from your values. Unfortunately, we can have this feeling even when we're living strongly by our core values if we've been conditioned to follow other people's rules. We can get tricked into feeling ashamed when our valued living contradicts someone else's preferences and they punish us for it. For example, you might quit going to university for all the right reasons, yet still feel guilty about disappointing your parents. This is what I call socially conditioned shame. When you've been programmed by an external influence into feeling guilty about something that does not actually breach your values. When your shame is tuned in correctly, in other words, it's only taken seriously when you've breached your own values, it's an entirely helpful force. This is what I call authenticity shame. It's helpful to feel guilty when you've let yourself down, sacrificing your integrity for some instant gratification or avoidance of fear. It's helpful for building your confidence to feel a motivational level of guilt when you fail to follow your own principles, like when I feel bad about binging on sugar and sabotaging my health goals. 
In this chapter and beyond, we'll look at how to know when authenticity shame is giving you helpful information, and how to use honesty to make the most of the lesson it's trying to teach you. However, if like most people you do not react helpfully to being ashamed, or you often fall victim to socially conditioned shame, you can end up creating a monster inside of yourself. If you ignore the helpful warning signs that you're straying from your core values, or you react to socially conditioned shame with compromise and conformity instead of standing up for yourself, you can end up creating an ongoing sensation of guilt that gets harder and harder to shake. Eventually, given enough time and influence from unhelpful people, you can become so confused about what you're supposed to feel ashamed of that you end up developing toxic shame. Toxic shame is devastating. It refers to suffering from a constant sense of shame about who you are as a person. It's not limited to specific instances of bad behaviour. It constantly hangs over you like a storm cloud, undermining your achievements, souring your connections, and blasting you with the I'm not good enough story every day, eventually generating unbearable levels of chronic anxiety and depression. Simply put, toxic shame is the belief that there is something fundamentally wrong with you, Some unfixable internal error that affects everything you do and makes you unlovable. You can be self-confident and experience authenticity shame at the same time, which is to say you can be shameless about being ashamed, which we'll soon discuss in more detail. But you cannot be confident with toxic shame. So in this book, I hope to help you A. Know the difference between authentic and socially conditioned shame. B. React more helpfully to being ashamed in order to build confidence in the longer term. And C. Use honesty to reduce your toxic shame. How dishonesty creates shame. To understand how toxic shame is created, we need to first understand how socially conditioned shame works. Take a moment to answer this question. What's the easiest way to make someone feel ashamed of themselves and destroy their self-confidence? The answer, as any master criminal or school bully will tell you, is to censor, mock, criticise or reject them for expressing themselves. Wait patiently for them to show their true preferences, thoughts or feelings, and then punish them for it with embarrassment, ostracism and humiliation. Make it clear to them that compared to everyone else they are wrong and don't fit in. Then you simply rinse and repeat. This is the recipe for destroying someone's self-worth. The crazy thing is, you don't even need to back this up with evidence in any way. This requires no proof or reasoning, all you need is judgement and abuse. When kids started calling me a crybaby in primary school, I slowly forced myself to turn off the tears. Unbeknownst to me at the time, I had, and still have, something called hypersensitivity. I'm more reactive than most to physical pain, loud noises, bright lights, weird textures, food flavours, etc similar to people on the autism spectrum. But I didn't understand this when I was a six-year-old. All I knew was that the other kids ostracized me for crying. Being a child, I developed an immature strategy for preventing this rejection and loneliness. I taught myself to just stop crying, forever. To this day, I struggle to shed a tear. The effects of that particular socially conditioned shame has lasted my entire life. If you read between the lines, you can interpret the story in another way. I learned to be dishonest about the desire to cry. I would hide my pain, fear, anger and sadness to avoid criticism and rejection. 
Crying was my default way of expressing painful feelings at the time. I censored myself, placing a permanent restriction on how honest I was allowed to be during these emotional states. Eventually, I found myself unable to clearly feel or understand these emotions because my main expressive output had been turned off. Throughout my teens and most of my adulthood, I would interpret all of these emotions as stress and found them incredibly difficult to decipher, express, or process. You will have a story like this, where you were punished in some way by others for just honestly expressing yourself, or you were rewarded for pretending to be someone you're not or for suppressing emotions. You were socially conditioned, and you've since maintained a strong censorship of yourself in relation to this experience. Take a moment to reflect on the key experiences you've had that created socially conditioned shame. Perhaps you were interested in dancing, but all your friends thought it was gay, so you avoided it. Perhaps you came to believe that expressing attraction was wrong because one girl rejected you more harshly than you anticipated, so you stayed safely in the friend zone thereafter. Perhaps the topic of money makes you uncomfortable because you grew up poor and kids teased you about your cheap clothes, so you've always avoided budgeting and you struggle to manage your finances. Oh wait, those are all my socially conditioned shames. Social conditioning is not a reliable measure of values. In an infamously unethical experiment involving conditioning in the 1920s, a baby known as Little Albert was successfully programmed to develop a lifelong phobia of rats and white furry animals. By crashing a large symbol unexpectedly behind him when he saw a soft toy or a bunny, he started to associate pain and shock with white furry animals, despite never actually being harmed by one. Your socially conditioned shame is like this. You associate being honest with pain without realizing it was the crashing symbol of social punishment that hurt you, not the furry rat of your truthful self-expression. Correlation is not causation. Your honesty wasn't the problem, the bullying was. So there's no reason to believe that being honest is bad. Now here's the tricky part. Long after the last bullies teased you or your parents' final criticism was delivered, you continued punishing yourself. You took over the censorship role from them. I no longer have anyone calling me a crybaby or telling me that I shouldn't cry. If anything, I have people criticizing me for being too stoic. And yet I still censor my tears. Why? Because through repeated acts of dishonesty, I have created my own shame and have trained myself to react automatically to potential tears by suppressing my emotions. I have the ingrained subconscious belief that there's something wrong with me if I cry. No one else is doing this to me, and it's not truthful, and I know this, yet it persists anyway. Every time you hide the truth about yourself to avoid criticism, conflict, or rejection from others, you tell yourself that there's something wrong with you. You are bullying yourself. You're the author writing the I'm not good enough story, and dishonesty is your pen. It no longer really matters whether other people think that you are wrong or bad because now you believe it strongly, so it's true in your universe. And because your shames are nearly always based on something permanent that you can't change, such as naturally recurring human emotions or memories of the past, you get stuck in a position where there's always something wrong with you. Collect enough of these social guilt trips and eventually your brain will start to generalize the shame. It's difficult to keep track of all those faults of yours, and far easier to just start labelling yourself as being wrong overall. 
Every time you hide your truth, you throw another brick onto the shame pile, until eventually there are so many bricks that you psychologically collapse under the weight of them all, and voila, you now have toxic shame. Or to put it simply, you only feel bad about yourself because you have been consistently dishonest. How honesty cures shame, and therefore builds confidence. Thankfully, while dishonesty created your shame, honesty can rebuild your confidence. Or more accurately, honesty can move you back along the self-worth spectrum toward the confident end. Or more accurately, honesty can move you back along the self-worth spectrum towards the confident end, like a counterweight for all your secrets and lies. For this to happen, you must achieve the following objectives. Take control of and responsibility for your shame, ensuring no one else gets to decide what you feel guilty about. Clearly identify when you are right to feel guilty about what you've done, authenticity shame from not living by your values, and teach yourself from this experience so that you can grow, rather than punishing yourself with the not good enough narrative. Undo the damage that years of self-censoring dishonesty has caused by you succumbing to socially conditioned shame. Unpack your toxic shame into two distinct and separate categories. Things you should be ashamed of, in other words, the ways in which you are currently breaching your values, and things you should not be ashamed of, for example, past events that cannot be undone, natural human emotions, and valued behaviours that you know are right even if others disagree. Note, some people believe it's right to feel ashamed of things you've done in the past. While I do believe that guilt is a helpful emotion when you've betrayed your own integrity, There is little benefit in beating yourself up for something that cannot be changed. If you regret your past behavior, focus on either making up for it or learning a lesson and moving on. Sitting around feeling bad about your past self achieves nothing of value. Your past self is dead. Let it rest in peace. The Guilt Misfire To simplify this mission, it all comes down to consciously determining what you should feel guilty about and then labeling anything else as a guilt misfire. A misfire is the term I use to describe when an emotion is triggered off for all the wrong reasons, like when you get angry even though no one has hurt you, or when you get scared but there's no actual danger. We should not suppress this emotion or label it as wrong because doing so will only create more shame. Instead, we must compassionately recognize that the emotion we're experiencing is showing up due to psychological insecurities or inappropriate reasoning. In this way, it can be safely acknowledged, but it should not be obeyed. It's like a child having a tantrum because he thinks that going to the doctor is bad. He's wrong and should go to the doctor, but you can be compassionate about his pain when you take him there. I often feel guilty about relaxing. I get a flush of shame when I'm caught chilling out. But I've since learned to recognize that this is a misfire. I was conditioned by schooling and strict parenting to believe that I should always be working hard. Society has trained me to be an overachiever who feels unproductive unless I'm burning myself out with with effort and achievements. Even though I can logically see that relaxing is good for me and aligned with my values like respect and compassion, emotionally I still react in the old way. So when this happens, I just acknowledge that I'm misfiring, and keep on relaxing despite the fading wash of shame running through my body. I simply disobey the conditioning, but without trying to shut down the feeling. And the easiest way to do this is to simply express myself honestly. I will tell my wife that I'm feeling guilty about relaxing. This might feel like admitting to a crime, 
but it's just about making it okay to feel shame rather than hiding it and thereby compounding it. Too many people hide their shame, which compounds it because now you're ashamed of being ashamed. What I call shame squared. You don't need to throw more wood on the fire. Being honest about your guilty feelings keeps your shame down to a minimal size. Also, hearing it said out loud can help you decide if you should feel bad or if you're just having a misfire. Whenever I hear myself say, I feel bad about taking a break, it sounds ridiculous, so I immediately identify that I'm misfiring. However, when I hear myself say, I feel guilty about eating so much sugar, I can quickly identify that I have indeed breached my values. I have cholesterol problems that are aggravated by sugar, so I know that the shame is authentic. Your values are your guide. If what you're doing is aligned with your values and you've been honest about it, including any shame it triggered for you, then assume that there is no good reason to feel guilty about it, even if other people think you should. If what you're doing is honest, courageous, respectful, responsible, curious, etc., then any shame you feel is probably a misfire brought on by social conditioning. Honestly express that misfire. For example, I'm feeling ashamed of this, but it's probably just because I was conditioned as a child to think that it's wrong. And then keep on doing it, regardless of the emotional experience, but without trying to suppress the emotion itself. However, sometimes it can be difficult to know whether the shame you're feeling is a product of social conditioning or an authentic push towards valued living. Here are some key indicators you can check in with to figure it out. Is it under your control? If you're feeling guilty about something that is not your current behavior, then it's a misfire. If the thing you're ashamed of is not directly under your control right now, then shame makes no sense. With regards to past events, if they went badly but you were trying your best to live with integrity, then it's still a misfire. And if you weren't living with integrity in the past, then redeem yourself with an act of integrity today. Once redeemed, any further guilt is a misfire. For example, if you pay someone back for damaging their property and then still feel guilty about it. Is it objectively harmful? Would all people be harmed by this? For example, a punch in the face? Or does it only hurt people with certain beliefs? For example, causing offence? If it aligns with your values and only certain people guilt trip you about it, find some new people to hang out with. If someone is only harmed by your expression or behaviour because of their own unique beliefs, and you weren't deliberately trying to harm them, then that says more about them than it does about you. It makes no sense to feel guilty about someone else's beliefs. Which of your values does it specifically violate? If you cannot clearly identify that one of your values is being breached, then it's likely to be a guilt misfire. Knowing your values is obviously key to this, so if you haven't done that work already, get onto it. The Brojo Discovering Your Core Values course can help you with this, and is free to the public. Would you still feel ashamed if no one caught you doing it? Certain behaviours like masturbation or relaxation often only come with shame if someone else finds out about it. This is socially conditioned shame. There's nothing objectively wrong with these behaviours and you know it. And there are some other behaviours which might feel good when you're alone but feel awful when someone whom you respect catches you, like binging on chocolate when you're supposed to be taking better care of your health. That's authenticity shame. Who would have to catch you for you to feel guilty? Why would you feel bad if they did? These are factors worth considering. Are you okay with other people doing it? 
People pleasers and similar types often have a habit of setting impossible standards for themselves while being more compassionate and understanding of others. Generally, if you respect, like, or admire others for doing something, then that thing aligns with your values. If you feel guilty for doing that same thing because you hold yourself to a higher standard, you are misfiring. Probably because someone set impossible standards for you as a child or punished you for getting things wrong. In the following chapters, we'll explore shame in more specific contexts. Experiencing emotions and socialising, the two areas people have the most shame. Keeping it simple summary. Being ashamed is believing and feeling that something true about you is wrong and bad, and you must not let other people know about it. Shame is created by you deciding that something true about yourself is wrong or bad and must be hidden, so you are dishonest about it. Toxic shame is feeling guilty for who you are as an entire person. You can be confident while experiencing any emotion except for toxic shame. Authenticity shame is the guilt you feel when you breach your own values. Socially conditioned shame is the guilt you feel when you do something that someone else believes is wrong, but you're actually okay with it. A guilt misfires when you feel shame for something that you have no good reason to be ashamed of. It's normal, or it's outside of your control, or it aligns with your values. Being honest about your shame will help you sort out what you should feel guilty about. Key actions. Look back over the last week and notice all the truths you hid about yourself. List as many as you can remember. These are examples of your shame. If you enjoyed that, and you'd like to pre-order a copy of the book, then please get in touch, dan at brojo.org. And I'll hook you up and uh, talk to you soon. Cheers.